As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello and welcome to the new Premier League season and the beginning of the Rabona podcast. My name is Musa Kwonga and I'm joined again by the wonderful Ryan Hun and Michael De Silva. And every week we will bring you a review of the football action from around the world, both on and off the pitch. So without further ado, let's get into it. Michael, Ryan, welcome. Great to see you again. Hello. Hi, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, so let's, let's jump right in. Arsenal City. How about that? Well, I need. There's a, a disclaimer that I need to. Uh, oh, I, 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 I was on my way to Frankfurt for the German Super Cup, so I didn't see either of the big games this weekend. Um, either of the big games, or well, technically they're all big games. This is the. <laughs> game, so. Well, you know, Arsenal, Arsenal City, and Liverpool, can I can I jump Liverpool in? I, I just want to I want to talk about um, Arsenal and City quickly because a lot of people have been overreacting already. I think from the Arsenal side, and mm. look, I feel with this game as with all the matches so far everyone is in exactly the same position I'd expect them to be mm. that makes sense if we look at the World Cup as being full of sort of unexpected teams coming to prominence um, this Premier League season I think it's only one game of course but the teams haven't just had results you'd expect they've, they've played to form so you look at City City were again very impressive the transition from David Silva to Bernardo Silva looks seamless mm. uh, Arsenal started very very well with great intensity but City over time, I referred to this before, it was almost like winning an arm wrestle. Slowly, slowly, superior resources and know-how just came to bear. And that's fine because Arsenal are a work in progress. I do agree that we've seen, um, you know, two big wins from City and Liverpool who I think it's going to be a two-horse race. And I really, really do hope that we get a proper title race this year. We all do. Um, I think Liverpool, um, I think Liverpool have all of the tools to push them all the way this year. I think we could be in for something quite exciting, actually. Ryan, what are you thinking? 
Uh, yeah, I agree. I think the the Man City Arsenal game was um, the pace was frantic mm. the first half especially. Right, and Arsenal set up in a pretty unusual way. Ozil was really deep, kind of as a almost like a you know the similar role to like, like a Tweedy. But Tweedy was playing in um, the World Cup right. as a kind of like a defensive winger. Mm. Uh, he was much deeper next to Guendouzi and Xhaka with Ramsey pushed right up top next to Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan. Mm. And um, he had a bit of a curious game, actually, Ozil. It was not his best game, but he had a really weird stat where he lost the ball yeah. more than anyone else on there the pitch. There was a weird moment in the second half when Ozil... On the pitch. There's a weird moment at Ozil um, in the second half when the ball gets squared and he takes a bad touch. And there was a moment I was watching Spanish football... Uh, I think it was Zidane against Valencia. Zidane had a bad bit of miscontrol. <laughs> and Jerry Armstrong commented, actually gasped. He was like, you don't see that very often. And it's like, <laughs> you just don't expect Ozil to be a little bit out of sync. And I think it's one of those ones where, you know, it's the start of the season, you're kind of overextending yourself. And you saw that with Fred against, you know, for United against Leicester, Manchester United against Leicester, where players have come back and they're maybe slightly trying to force the game too much instead of letting it come to them. Mm. Uh, and you know let's also let's have some sympathy because that's a very big match to play so early in the season mm. um, and the expectation is, is pretty high um, yeah so, I mean it's yeah. a big game to 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 start with and also right. when you have a new manager who's trying to instill a different style of football or where there's a lot more there seems to be a lot more structure right um, especially from playing out of, um, playing out of the back mm. You kind of want a few games. I know pre- they've had preseason, but you, I mean, preseason is preseason. It's never really yeah, it's not a real so. test. But you, you'd yeah. kind of like a few games just to get that those or, you know that German saying auto, automa- automatisms or whatever it is. Right, get right. that automatic playing out of the back before you face someone like City. Mm. But then on the flip side, you, you, I think probably Emery before the season started had, had that down as a game that they wouldn't win. Mm. And, right, and yeah. if you can draw any positives from that is that they they didn't concede from any of those right um, true, true. stylistic changes they conceded from two pretty soft defensive goals which is nothing new but they didn't there was a More, there was a few yeah, hairy the, moments the challenge with us was closing down wasn't it actually because yeah. the, the two strikes were superb Mm-hmm. The strikes are superb, but there's an issue, I suppose, with who picks up Sterling when he drifts across the top of the box. Well, the, 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 the thing about the Sterling goal down. was that it came after he had free reign he wasn't for the first down. 10, 15 minutes of that game. Mm. And there was a few chances where he could have he could have scored. Mm. So the fact that they he got A, got showed inside and then no one closed him down. Right, right. Um, I mean, the, the interesting thing about both goals was ne- neither of them were really in the corner. They mm. were kind of quite central. Mm. Both... Especially the first one. I oh, really Bernardo's thought, goal was a cleansing force though. That was a cleansing well, force. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Socrates could have done better on Bernardo's goal and I think Czech could have done better on the first. Mm. At least put a hand out. Um, so, did I mean... Did not come through a crowd though? It did, but still it was clear which way it was going to go. And I mean, maybe that's me being hypercritical, but I think, you know, there was no, um, you know, City were more than good value for a team. They were just what you... They were, they were the, wasn't it funny though? Because I just feel like... And again, we'll get into this the other matches. We can maybe sort of dip into those now. Mm. Let's just sort of skip around a bit, maybe. I just feel like that was the general theme that emerged in these games. Everyone was exactly where we expected them to be. Mm-hmm. Newcastle were actually really quite good against Spurs, but mm. Spurs had the attrition to wear them down. In a, a deli- I mean, it was like almost, oh, what? Spurs go away from home, have a difficult time, grind them down. Oh, and it's Deli Ali header. Like mm. it was just, 
It was, I actually loved it because it was like, yes. that's the kind of game that Spurs weren't winning five years ago. That first yeah. half was great. Do you know what I mean? That's what, that's what I love about the Spurs team. They win games they weren't winning five years ago. They, they know how to win ugly now. I love that. Um, that's, that's, that's how it should be, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and quite often Spurs play well and lose. <laughs> and that still does happen sometimes, yeah, that's the especially against the, the top sides. But yeah, those, um, those, those kind of games away to Newcastle, you know, not easy games, but the kind of games that champions and top four teams need to win and Spurs are doing that consistently. I just want to give Newcastle, Newcastle some credit because I think Rafa Benitez there has done a really nice job yep. in adverse circumstances. He's going to, he, he will run out of patience. I, I, I can't see him staying beyond the, the end of the season if he just continues not to get backed I just, can by I just a say guy this? who's just bought a... They're lucky, they're uh, lucky to have him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he they're could walk so... into a, a really good job anywhere else. This Rafa. man, yeah. if you look what he did, even Valencia, what he did, forget what he did at Liverpool, which is obviously great, but his, I think his time at Valencia is actually underrated. Mm. That man turned around, you know, a club that wasn't really going where it should have been. Yeah. And he's now at Newcastle. He's got a terrific support. Mm. Just give the man some resources and let him work. Yeah. Did a good job crazy. at Chelsea. Yeah, but he, he's just a very good manager. He's yeah. just a very good manager. From from um, from Mike Ashley's point of view, I mean, he he sees it as well. This guy has come in. He's um, he hasn't spent any money, and he's got them tenth in the league. Right. He doesn't he doesn't see a problem. And that's that. That is the problem. <laughs> it's so disappointing to see football clubs run like supermarket chains, isn't yeah. it? It's really, but that's what's happening to an extent. Yeah. Um, so, can we jump into another one? Let's jump into the um, quickly the United game against Leicester. Not too long. Yeah, of course. Because of my inherent United bias, being a United fan. <laughs> but just quickly to jump into that and just say again, this is a game that went to type. Again, they went to type. What do we have from United? Oh, we've got a really fast start, fifty mm. minutes, which is classic United and Mourinho, and then we have a lull. We get the early goal. Pogba scores a penalty, which has a subplot of its own. Um, and then we have United sitting deep and then scraping a nervy win. Yeah. I mean, this was very much sort of peak. <laughs> yeah, it, was peak it was like Mourinho bingo, really, yeah, with United. Yeah. yeah, I mean, before United got the second, Leicester should have at least had one. They, right, were, abso- they abso- got in absolutely. a absolutely. lot. Inacho should have had one, maybe two. Um, I kind of thought that was a weird game, actually. It was. It was a really weird game because it was it kind of... Um, United could have scored more. Yes. But Leicester could have but quite control. easily walked away from Can that I say game this with as well? all three points. You know? The thing that distinguishes Liverpool and City this year, the two things, the desire for match control, okay. Now these teams are like Liverpool now are superbly balanced, I believe, with the additions of Alisson and Naby Keita. Perfect, superbly balanced. perfect signings for them. Well, yeah, because now with Naby Keita... Liverpool can play at that intensity, not just for 30 minutes or 40 minutes, but for 70, 75. Yeah. That's the huge difference. Absolutely. And can I also say, so Liverpool have match control, which is superb as the City. They have intensity. They have a desire to sort of dominate the games, but they also have this thing that I have to talk about, which is the quality of chance creation. Mm. If you look at the kind of goals that Liverpool score compared to the kind of goals that United score, where other teams are not as good, mm. you know, they are scoring let's say sort of United or Spurs to an extent, world-class goals or elaborately constructed goals. Mm. The amount of goals that City and Liverpool score that are tap-ins mm. from five yards out, that has to be talked about because what's happening is Liverpool and City are so good at disintegrating the opposing defences and creating gaps and the overlap. They're having all these amazing square passes and play. And United don't create chances like that. Mm. Um, Spurs do to an extent. Arsenal have that ability and I think Chelsea which we'll get on to have that ability as well mm. but fundamentally those two teams are so far ahead of the others in that respect I think yes. the difference between those two teams and the rest of the league though is how they use their wingers and well, yes, whereas yes, a lot absolutely. of people 
kind of try to play a wing game, quote unquote. Mm. The difference between United, uh, sorry, City, Liverpool and the rest of the league, but I think City, is, I'd still put City out there on their own in this, is that the amount of times they get to the byline wide or overlap wide and they have mm. an overload and the way that they then move the ball into the box or central, it's precise, it's like, it's low a lot of the time. It's yes. like, it's so clinical. It's Whereas you see a lot of teams use wingers try for overloads and as soon as the winger gets two three yards of space mm. it's just whipped in yes and it's it's a nothing ball a lot of the time the way that City sliced open yeah. an Arsenal over and over and over again before even before Sterling's goal the driven was, pass across the box extraordinary really really scary actually right. and um and and to be honest you know wing play is not an it's not a it's a it's quite an old traditional form of football you know but the way that Guardiola utilizes that and I think Klopp Klopp I think uses it in a different way um, they tend to, the way that Liverpool tend to use their wingers is like, as soon as they get behind the defence, do you know what I mean? They kind of drive low and across the box and it's dangerous. Whereas yeah. City a lot of the time get to the byline and cut back. Mm. And but, the- but you mentioned United there. And I think this summer is a has been a missed opportunity for them in the transfer window. I feel like they could have really taken a big step forward like Liverpool has. And there's, there, there's something to be said for clubs going out and signing the players that they 100% need, like even a year before, like Liverpool have done with Naby Keita. They've waited for him, um, spent a lot of money on him, but they know when they do get him, he is the the, the piece in the puzzle that they really need. And Alisson is a, is also the insurance policy they, they've been crying out for at the back. Um, I just feel like um, the, scatter, the scattergun approach to, to transfer um, business that a lot of clubs favour... Has um, is just not as effective. I think. I mean, I hate to use capitalist language on a podcast like this, but it's almost like um, it's a market inefficiency, isn't it? And Liverpool have identified that. They've identified that actually, mm. as you say, you recruit in the same way that you headhunt for a CEO. If the CEO is not available this year, you put them on guarding leave. Yeah. You get them later. And I think yeah. Navigate is a great example of that. You know, the new Liverpool CEO of the midfield. If you look at that, <laughs> he has he will revolutionise how they play now. Mm. And what I love about Liverpool, actually, I will say this as a United fan, what I love about them is that you've got those three players up front and they're all capable of beginning and ending the counter-attack. Mm-hmm. And how often do you see that in world football mm. where you have a team on the break? You know, when you watch Ozil breaking and Ozil's basically pointing people where to go. And when you watch Liverpool breaking, it's like any one of them, yeah. Mane, Firmino, mm-hmm. Salah can yeah. begin or end it. Yeah, I mean, they're scary good going forward. One yeah. thing about Liverpool though, I think is this, I think it's worth mentioning just how well they've sold. They've kind of earned the right to go and spend the amount of money they've spent on Van Dyke and right. Alisson and stuff like that because they have sold so, so well over the last incredible. five years, really. Yeah. It's almost like Coutinho never left in a way or never arrived. Well, exactly. actually, they <laughs> sold him and he wasn't playing that well for them. That's the yeah. funny thing. Mm. When they sold him, he was almost a kind of... You know how Sturridge is a slightly strange fit for Klopp football? Mm. Coutinho was kind of like that, actually. He was a bit of an outlier. Mm. And, you know, Mane is much more a Klopp-type player, someone who's sort of interchangeable can play all across the front line if needed you know Cater can play I mean gosh any one of five positions really if he had to he could be very 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 good but he's going to be he's going to be absolutely I think this is the most complete Liverpool side I've seen in the Premier League era yeah Um, and there were times where they got close but there was always a very identifiable weakness Mm. I think the combination of Klopp the squad, they're much like when that year that they nearly won the league. Yeah. 
their starting eleven was great, but they had no depth. The depth now, they and, and they benefited they massively from not being in Europe as well. Yeah. Mm. Whereas now they have the depth, they have a great coach, clear plan, everyone's on board. Yeah. There's there's a there's a there's a sense of unity at Liverpool that I've not seen yeah. for a long, long time. And, and if you don't win the league, it's because Oxley's not there. <laughs> well, that's a, that's I mean, that's worth mentioning though, is that they've also got someone of Chamberlain's calibre yeah. right. who's not going to be there this season. Right. Mm. So you add him to the mix next year. He'll be back when? End of the year? They think that he's... Apparently, last I saw that he's not going to play this season. This season? Think, yeah, because he did both knees, right? Oh my god! I just can't see them not winning. I can't see Liverpool not winning the league in the next four years. I yeah. just can't see it not. Well, see, I just can, I can, I can, but yeah. I don't think that that should be deemed the, the a mark. failure. You know, I don't. I think the league now, the landscape of the Premier League is a lot different to where it was. Say, for example, the league, the year that Leicester won the league. Yeah. There was there was there were two or three teams that season who would be kicking themselves for not winning that. That right. Premier League season, I mm. count Spurs in that. I think there were two years where Arsenal I think Spurs too, yeah. should have won the league. Yeah. Arsenal should have won the league the year they finished second behind Leicester. Mm. Yeah. Whereas now you have such a um, a collection of unbelievably good coaches. Yeah. yeah. In, at the top, at the top, well, you, I count well, top eight. I, I or think even Spurs, the promoted side. I think Spurs well, are a better team now than they were when they came so close to yeah, winning the league. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're further behind. Mm. And that just shows you. The arms race of Premier League football. Yeah. Actually, let's jump in as well um, to another team that's maybe slightly neglected in, in the mix, Chelsea. Um, what's been so amazing about Sarri coming in at Chelsea, Maurizio Sarri, is that he's been so decisive. You know, Loftus-Cheek mm. potentially farmed out on loan. I think there's a talk of Schalke to mm-hmm. Germany and having to cling on. Uh, Jorginho's come in. Pedro is sort of a vampire because that man doesn't seem to age. <laughs> He's still extremely fast on the break. And they, they, you know, they, I mean, look, they handled Huddersfield. I mean, it's Huddersfield, but the tough proposition handled them pretty easily. Can, mm. can we just talk about Jorginho's penalty? Oh my goodness. There's some great run-ups <laughs> this weekend on penalties. Pogba's as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great penalty. Yeah. I've not seen one executed quite like that ever before. Yeah. When it just I, like I, I actually laughed when that penalty, when he yeah. did take that penalty. I was like, <laughs> wow. It was really cool. He's a nice player actually generally, isn't he? Mm. Just, I yeah. really like having this kind of, you know, defensive midfielder who can really just initiate the play. Yeah. Someone who's, you know, actually playing from the back really, really well. Um, not just in the room. Yeah, <laughs> wants to join the podcast. <laughs> Sorry, mate, I haven't got a mic for you. Um, I was impressed by Chelsea, actually. And yeah. I didn't, I, I actually was surprised at how fluid they looked. I mean, I think mm. they rode their luck a little bit as well. I think Huddersfield should have had a penalty at 0-0 mm-hmm. um, where David Luiz went into, who did he go into the back of? I can't remember. He jumped for a ball, kneed him in the back and got the free kick. And I actually thought it was a penalty. Right. And I think that their penalty was debatable as well Chelsea's it's interesting that David Luiz who you mentioned there is suddenly back in the fold mm. someone like him might benefit from uh, from Conte having having departed mm. yeah I mean I, I'm kind of intrigued to see how Chelsea will go this season because they had a very strange pre-season and they left it very late to replace Conte mm. and the squad is just too thin though isn't it the squad is too thin the first team can beat anyone actually mm. Yeah, I mean, you posted that thing on Twitter the other day saying that team was scary. Do you remember? And I said, behave. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have to take your side on this, Ryan. I, I don't think they're going to um, get back into the top four this year. And I think they've got... Some, They'll beat top they, teams, though. They've got some rebuilding to do. Really do. Mm. Um, 
they'll beat top teams. With that, they've got the quality. Absolutely. I mean, they're still a very dangerous team. Um, and they shouldn't be underestimated, but I am going to underestimate them. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> wow, not sure wow. if I can <laughs> definitively say that they won't get top four, but they were definitely one of my I'm, candidates who would struggle. But I think, I think to be honest, that any of that top six really, maybe apart from Liverpool and City, could drop out. I would, f- taking my Arsenal hat off, I worry about Spurs a little bit. Squad um, depth. I just think that there's been, they've been super impressive the last few seasons. I just worry if not having a major addition to that squad will come back to bite them. I don't think so. I don't think it's as big a deal as everyone's making out. Yeah, they're the first team not to sign someone in the summer transfer window since its inception in 2003. Not not, not in terms of adding strength. I just think in terms of adding something new. I think that that there's, I think without without winning a trophy in the last couple of years, I think if they'd done that or if they'd won something last season, Mm. for example, I think it would be... It would be kind of understandable. Can I, can I just trump as well? Because yeah. you've got, I mean, look at City, they added Mares. Mm. They started Mares out of Sane. Imagine how Sane, poor guy, feels. <laughs> this guy's like been left out of the World Cup, you know, comes back and then yeah. this guy's starting ahead of you. And that's. It is true that these the are the kind on. of additions that you need to make if you're going to. You need to strengthen when you're on top. And right. Mares coming in is a, is a great signing for them. And he's the kind of guy that I think could really improve Tottenham. Um, but if they're not going to sign a player of that calibre, I think I think they've got enough certainly in those positions. I mean, look at look at their defense for example. I mean, not many clubs can boast Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Davison Sanchez, yeah. um Lloris behind them. But it's the firepower. You haven't got the firepower. Yeah, I mean when Kane's not there it's a they're a completely different team. Hyungmin Son can can step in, but he's it's obviously not the same. I think Lucas Moura is going to have a big season. Um, he feels like a new sign in that typical... He didn't really I, play I, much I, last season, right? No. Yeah, he came in in January and didn't really... Um, d- wasn't really able to um, dislodge the guys ahead of him. But he, unlike the, the guys that played at the World Cup, has had that pre-season under his belt and really looks better for it. And he started against Newcastle. He, I, I, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, oh, he feels like a new signing, but that really is true. And I think... Um, as I say, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I think the one player that they could have signed was a like a a dominating central midfielder. Um, they have Wanyama, they have um, Eric Dyer, they have Dembele, who's kind of a, a bit of a fading force. Um, but just still that guy from Inter, Brozovic, the guy that played um, behind. They were being linked with him. Rakitic, really? Yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's I interesting. Think, that's I mean, like Kovacic going to Chelsea again. That was someone who I think was massively that's a big, up for that's grabs. That's a big move. Yeah. That's a big move. You know, and I think move. he would have been really good for Spurs. Mm. Someone with a little bit of dynamism and for United, frankly, in there. But yeah, it's been a bit of a turbulent time for Tottenham with um, the the news as well that their um, their stadium won't be ready. In time, so it's like, it's like the Berlin Airport, isn't it? It's, it's been put oh off. Well, hold on, it's not that bad. But it's, but it is, uh, it is a bit of a kind of. When is um, the um, when's the date that they can move into that now? The latest. Um, so they haven't given a, a new date because they failed on two previous dates that they've given. So oh, I, no. I think they're a bit. Initially, it was their two, so two games and then back, wasn't it? Yeah. Originally? Well, they wanted to do. Um, they wanted to, originally they wanted to move in at the start of the season. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. Then September fifteenth for the Liverpool game was. You know, I'm one one of many Spurs fans who's booked a flight over that weekend hoping to get a ticket. I'm now going to be going to Wembley to watch Tottenham versus Liverpool. Fun. Poor me. Um, yeah, I think it will. I mean, the, the the NFL game that was scheduled there for mid October has also been 
canned. So it's going to be some time after that. So yeah, it's disappointing, but yeah. Before we go for a quick break, let's just have a quick chat about some of the other teams in the Premier League and what I call the kind of Premier League middle class. Because it seems to me that every season, some clubs make these key signings that are really exciting in the league more competitive. So we look at, for example, Everton, who signed Richarlison. People laughed at that signing, 50 million. Then he comes and he gets two goals against Wolves, who mm. themselves look very good. Yeah. And all of a sudden, people are like, actually, Marco Silva had a point there. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's, you know, you look at certain clubs as well, like Fulham, who've come in, they've lost 2-0, obviously, to Crystal Palace. But a lot of new signings, all time mm. to adjust. But they're exciting. And what they I had a lot about, of, um, sorry, so they had a lot fine, of late arrivals as well. You know, Chambers started the game and only arrived a couple of days before. So No, of course. Yeah. You know, and I think that's going to take a, that's going to take time. Yeah. Um, I think Everton have kind of, they've signed some really, really good players, I think. But they signed lots of good players last summer and we mm. thought it was going to work out. Um, they need to, in some ways, just stop signing players and just let them settle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, Everton, I can't figure out which way I think about them because yeah. they should they should come seventh, eighth, yeah. ninth. Right, right they know. should, yeah. Mm. And now obviously starting the season with Silver instead of Allardyce mm. is a massive key thing. But I, he confuses me a little bit, Marco Silver. Mm. He's had a really strange career in England if you think about it. Mm. And I... I, I basically can't make a prediction on where they will fall because well, there's of him always being this, added. Do you know what I mean? There's I this glass ceiling with them, and they they just can't break it. Mm. I mean, even if they got sixth, it would be a great success for yeah, them. Yeah, the weird thing about me, if they finished sixth, it wouldn't massively surprise me. Mm. But if they finished eleventh, it wouldn't either. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, because that middle class, as you said, is so it's, it's it goes a, it goes a long way down. It does, and there's well. a lot of teams fighting between. You know, Burnley finished seventh last year, mm. and between them and the bottom, I mean. What was amazing about Burnley, didn't Burnley score less than a goal a game yeah. mm-hmm. on average, yeah. which is mind-blowing because the Premier League narrative, as I see mm. it, is if you get goals, you'll finish high. And they didn't get goals. And you see them draw against Southampton and it's almost like, you know, a waypoint, nil-nil draw. You're like, oh, you know, Burnley are back. And I say that with all respect because what they've done is incredibly difficult. Mm. It'll be even harder for them this year because, again, they don't have the resources of other mm. clubs. But you just wonder if resilience their kind of resilience will help them stay afloat this year mm. because clubs like Everton may well fluctuate. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I just brought it up quick. Burnley's scored 36 goals last season, but their goal difference was minus three. Wow, the last really? club that impressed mm. me that much was actually AC Milan. <laughs> Do you remember AC Milan won the league? Do you remember years ago, AC Milan won the league and they scored fewer than a goal a game, mm. but they conceded like 16 the entire season. Mm. I mean, to, to put that into perspective, the team above them was Arsenal who conceded 51 incredible. Burnley conceded 39 and below them was Everton who conceded 58 mm. incredible mm. another team that playing Claret and Blue West Ham definitely part of that middle class and they spent a lot low middle summer. class low middle and class then, and they've and, and you know they've I've, when they signed uh, Pellegrini as their coach I thought okay they mean business and then first, and they signed some big players in the first game of the season. Walloped. Yeah, I mean, it was really poor. Liverpool, Liverpool. It is Liverpool, but they were very, but... very poor. And uh, there was one yeah. time in the second half where the camera cut to Pellegrini, and it was almost as like, oh, "What have I done? Why am I here?" <laughs> yeah. You know, take me back to China. Yeah, they were very poor. I mean, maybe a hot take. I think West Ham are going to really struggle this year. That's I think a they're going to really, really struggle, even with the additions they've made. 
I don't think Arnautovic is a good enough player to really carry that forward line. No, no. At a club like West Ham, you need a player like Callum Wilson yeah. to be their decisive finisher who will get you 20 goals mm. in all competitions. Yeah. I think I think happen. a shrewd signing for them could be Yarmolenko, though. Um, mm-hmm. He did really well at Dortmund last year, and I was a bit surprised at how quickly they let him go. Um, and also, while we're on Dortmund, Batshuayi as well. They, they, I think they should have made a greater effort to sign him permanently. But back to West Ham, they, they, Yarmolenko could do really well. Um, but they've got a lot of players who could do really well. And that's um, the problem with these clubs. You know, like Southampton had a free fall last year. Yeah. I think you're right. West Ham, there's always one club that has a bit of a free fall yeah. where everything's not quite in sync. You look at clubs like Cardiff that might struggle because again, the lack of goal scoring, mm. those, you know, that, that's fair. And Brighton might struggle again with all respect to Brighton again, yeah. with so many teams who come up who have goal threats, they're going to be clubs that struggle just because of a lack of resources. I think to your point about West Ham, I was, I was speaking to a West Ham fan recently who said that the the um, the mutinous scenes that we saw at the London Stadium earlier this year when they lost to Burnley, lost at home to Burnley, um, and the fans basically stormed the director's box hmm. uh, was a huge turning point and made the, the made the club realise that you know they've moved to this stadium that has no atmosphere, um, and the whole point was that they signed players and you know they desperately needed someone so. They have made a statement by going out and getting the coach they have and the players they have, but now the pressure's on. Yeah. I think it's a real shame for West Ham because, I mean, I'm not a West Ham fan and obviously someone who knows a lot more about West Ham might pull me up on this, but I'm not entirely sure that they needed to move. Upton Park was such a massive part of their identity and their strength. Mm. I mean, West Ham were never really easy to beat like Arsenal used to beat them quite consistently at Upton Park, but it was never, right. it was never a you know a walkover, mm. and the atmosphere there for games were, was amazing. And now it's just that that has all gone, and it just yeah, feels gone. they right. just feel like a bit of a. I don't want to sound disrespectful here, but they, when you play them at the London Stadium, it feels like a bit of a nothing. Yeah, nothing, a, nothing, I think they would admit that too. Look, I think the thing is when you have these new clubs, these upgrades, these sponsorship partnerships, you are making a pact with the devil, and I look at. West Ham have suffered and I think it's it's not the fault of a lot of those supporters but I feel like it's a real morality tale for the owners mm. you know in terms of maybe they thought oh we can turn West Ham into kind of a British PSG we're near Stratford you know it all looks right the accountancy boxes you, you can, can get West the Eurostar <laughs> right and it's, it all works on paper the problem is actually you can't create soul. Mm. You can't give up. You can't. And they had that up to the, Yeah, that's you know? all. Well, in, in, yeah. Like well, they've buckets. let it slip through their fingers. Yeah, yeah and I, I don't blame supporters for that, but I, I've got a lot of sympathy as well. Yeah. Have you got any, uh, quickly before we go for a break, any tips to go down? <sighs> I, th- I think it's everyone be a long, loves prediction. Do you know what? I don't, it's going to be a long season of Cardiff, mm. um, and I think Huddersfield are going to struggle. Cardiff are my only one that I think are, will definitely go down. Yeah. That if they do it for me, it's, it'll be a resources issue. Mm. Well, they spent no money, you know. I mean, like, yeah. and which, and that's not a criticism because I'm not sure they have it. But right. yeah, I think they're they're the only one that I can see yeah. who might really. Struggle. I'm not going to stick my neck out on this podcast only because I predicted who would go down for ESPN, and I can't remember who I mentioned there. So <laughs> I can't get <laughs> again. <laughs> but yeah, without further ado, let's go for a break. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, and catch you after these messages. <laughs> Right, we're back. Before we get going with the rest of the show, need to mention our amazing theme music that we uh, have on the show. We use it through the World Cup with permission. 
Uh, it's by an artist called Dabry, D-A-B-R-Y-E. The track's called Bloop. So shouts to him and to the label Ghostly International for letting us use that. If you want to download it, we always put the link to buy in the description for the podcast. So yeah, if you're a hip hop fan, go buy the rest of his music, support it. Amazing stuff. And what next? Transition. Oh, Michael. Transition. Michael, you've been mm-hmm. traveling, haven't you? You're up. I have. I just came back from Frankfurt. I was there for the German Super Cup. 5-0 to Bayern, as yes. you'd expect. Was it Eintracht they beat, wasn't it? They beat Eintracht in their own backyard. Of course, Kovac's former backyard. Um, I mean, it was interesting to see, um, to get some glimpses perhaps of how Bayern might set up under Kovac next year. Um, they haven't won a Champions League since 2013. Um, that's the big thing that he's going to be expected to uh, to deliver. Um I thought it was quite interesting to see Bayern counter-attack so much. Um, they didn't really do that. It wasn't a key philosophy under Jupp Heynckes, more kind of game control under him. Um, but every time the transition between defence and attack was lightning fast. Mm. Um, and we, you know, Robin was was fantastic. And there were times when he was, I, I saw him a couple of times like, um, encouraging Joshua Kimmich when he won the ball at the back rather than looking along his defensive line to pass it to Hummels or someone to release um, Robin as quickly as possible right. or to look for um, Thiago or someone in, in central midfield. So I think that that was the one thing I took away from it, um, that we might see a more, a more counter-attack-minded Bayern next season. Yeah, they were lightning quick. Mm. I watched the first... I think I watched it until the fourth goal went in. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I oh, this game's done. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was done at 2-0. They'll need but, that Bayern because Bayern have won, what, six straight league titles? Yeah, they're looking for a seventh. Um, I mean, it's yeah, no one's going to beat them right. in, in Germany this year. No one has the depth. No, they, they can't do it. I mean, Schalke were, were quite good last year. They dominate... Um, Tedesco has um, done a great job with them. Um, I really like him. Yeah, he's, I think, the next big um, coaching star to come out of Germany. Um, Bayern have actually got a tricky first game against Hoffenheim. It's at home. Um, but Hoffenheim t- always tend to give them a good game. Um, so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see whether Bayern get off to a winning start there. How do you think Hoffenheim are going to do this season? Because it's Nagelsmann's last season. He's announced it. Yeah. It's, it's a bit it, of a weird one. That a, he's announced that he's going to Leipzig next season. It's weird for a couple of reasons. Yeah. A, that he's going to Leipzig. Um, I mean, not who I, I, I expected him to go to either Bayern or, or Dortmund. And I thought he would just hold out for, for that. Um, I would love to see him at Dortmund, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and the fact that he was mentioned um, or announced rather a year in advance that's a very german uh, thing to do <laughs> but there never seems um, to be much pushback on stuff like that in germany because it happens with a lot of players doesn't mm, it it does and they i do. think that's the first time i can remember seeing it with a manager though yeah it's a bit strange and you would i mean the effect that kovac um kovac's move had on frankfurt after it was announced i mean that was done in slightly different circumstances let's say um but Frankfurt were not the same team after they knew that Kovac was going to Bayern. So I just wonder whether it's going to affect Hoffenheim's... But then they beat him in the final, which was... Yeah, that was strange. That came from yeah. nowhere, a bolt from the blue. Um, but we... yeah, Nagelsmann um, is a real... Um, he's a great coach in the making. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see whether they 
they can take that step up next year. It's a bit of a tangent, but do you think, how do you kind of assess the state of the Bundesliga this season? Because it strikes me that it's moving. There's a few leagues that are moving like this in Europe where the top team is so much better than the rest that the focus becomes not the league anymore, it's the Champions League. I worry a bit for the state of domestic leagues throughout Europe. Mm. Um, We've had this conversation a few times where we've just been shooting the whatever right. off, off air, but yeah. about the how the it's a bit uh, it's a little bit tinfoil hat kind of thing but like how i feel slightly now that you're starting to see the effects of the changes in european competition on domestic leagues the well, only one that's really shifted because of the money is the premier league and the mm. strength in depth in the premier league is yeah. is massive yeah. much deeper than any other league exactly, in europe yeah. but how i'm really worried with that without serious tv money in those other leagues it just feels how, like where the end where you know, the end like, game is. Yeah, it just feels sure. like house prices in London. You know, like there's only a set number of people that can actually buy in London anymore, mm. and everyone else is just a spectator or a renter and coming and going. Mm. It feels like that with like these leagues. Like there's only ever going to be now a few teams that ever are going to win, and everyone else is kind of a spectator. Yeah. And what what entertainment do you create for yourself in the absence of that? In the absence of a genuine yeah, I mean, last year in the Premier League, league of course, race. we only saw it was a city run away with it. Um, quite often you get a two horse race and the, the two teams involved tend to change. Mm. Um, and that's what keeps it interesting. Um, but the fact that Bayern are so dominant in Germany, PSG is so dominant in France. It costs um, them the Champions League. It, yeah. Juve are becoming a, uh, the dominant force. And then, you, um, and then Barca and Real Madrid. I mean, even yeah, Atletico Athlet- aren't really... Yeah, I mean, if Atletico win it once every five, six years, they'd be more than happy. Mm. Um so yeah, I although I have to, can I just say this as well? Uh, that's also messy. Like I think we really underestimate just how LeBron dominant he's, yeah, just how dominant he's made. He made, but, he's made but you know, Arsene Wenger um, is a is a visionary in, in in more ways than one, and I can happily admit that as a Tottenham fan. And he suggested that we are a decade away from a European Super League. Yeah, I'd, I I could see that happening because it's it's the league becomes almost secondary in priority to a lot of these teams when they especially the teams maybe not so much in the Premier League because I still think that like for this season all the noises coming out of City are the league is the priority it's Mm. absolutely the priority do you know what I mean whereas when you because in the Premier League you I don't think you're ever going to get a team winning five or six straight yeah now with the with the even even Guardiola I don't think no no the, 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 the quality yeah you've seen it in the Champions League that maybe at the very very top top tier the premier league clubs still fall a little bit short but i think that in terms of a sh- the strength and depth of the league it's the mm. strongest league in terms of you know it goes deeper than, yeah, than yeah. any other league and that's what makes it the most entertaining league the around. coaching is unbelievable yeah actually before um we mentioned wenger there and while we're talking about sort of blissful retirement a quick segue to blissful semi-retirement a quick chat about Iniesta and Rooney, what they've done recently for their respective clubs. Mm, um, what a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but what I love about these, you know, Iniesta, for those who haven't seen his wonderful goal in Japan and Rooney's Please watch wonderful it. track back and yeah. assist yeah. In, in the US. What I love about these goals, they're both peak Iniesta and peak Rooney. Yeah. Rooney basically sacrificing himself, charging back to right back position, winning possession, yeah. crossing it in for the winner in the last minute, which is yeah. like schoolboy stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then Great Iniesta, commentary on that goal as well. Yeah, but also yeah. And, and, and Rooney with it, the collision. Yes. That was my favourite. <laughs> Peak Rooney. Yeah. Um, and also, for those who haven't seen Iniesta's goal, please check it out if you can. There's an amazing moment where, well, it's it's Peak Iniesta in the sense that 
he's a guy that you look at and you think, well, Ronaldinho, I can tell how he beats players and Zidane, I can see it. But Iniesta is this guy who he's there until he's not there. <laughs> and, you know, until the split second before he receives possession, yeah. the defender is marking him really well yeah. and then he just vanishes. You know what it is? It's um, shades of Dennis Burkamp against Newcastle. The flick around the defender. Right, right. And the expert... Cool as ice finish. Yeah, right. Absolutely. That's the thing with those goals, though. It's the it's the combination of the two. Yeah. You know, one of those things to beat that guy is difficult. To then slot it home. Yeah. To finish it off. To not be so excited at what exactly. you've done. Right, exactly. <laughs> like when I when I do stuff like that when we when I play, I'm like, oh my god, oh my right. god, I'm at school here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like I can't believe I've just done that touch. Yeah. Oh no, now I have to finish it. Yeah. But um, actually, I mentioned it before, but like. I heard something really interesting about that Burkamp goal. I think it was on the Ask Cast Extra with Andrew and James from Gunner Block. Mm. And I think he said that his brother or he had um, spoke to Dabizas recently. He'd met Dabizas or something. And Dabizas, and he asked him about the that that goal. And Dabizas said, you know, this is literally the only thing ever, anyone ever asks me about <laughs> anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> but he said, I think the question was, do you think he meant it? And he said, um, I think yeah, I'm going to try and remember this right. He said, I do, but even if he didn't, if he didn't mean it, it almost makes it a better goal because he's got to react yeah. to that unexpected bounce of the ball yeah, still- and then, a, and then uh, like readjust his body and then slot it home. Mm. Right. And that's the guy who got done for it. <laughs> do you know what I mean which kind of to me is a bit of like right that's that's the debate what always strikes me with these great yeah. goals what I love about that humility and what I love about these great goals is actually the defender has is is, is completely blameless you know the, the Messi goal against Argentina which is still my favourite goal of the last World Cup yeah mine too because it was yeah, sort same, of the yeah. motif it was like oh, Messi is a choker and all of a sudden he pulls that out of the yeah, bag yeah. and the, the second touch on that goal where Messi juggles the ball midair mm. and you watch you think to yourself you know what actually I'm going to give this guy a pass here. It was like watching Michael Jordan, the 91 NBA finals, when he goes up to dunk mm-hmm. and then realises the guy's coming across and lays it up mm. just to make sure. He would have actually dunked anyway, I think, fine. But the fact that he makes the adjustment, you think to yourself, it's one of those rare moments in sport, you know, Iniesta and Rooney have shown us as well, those rare moments in world-class sport where you're like, there is generally no one else on the planet at their peak who could have stopped that. Yeah, the yeah. thing about that that messy goal, not wanting to go too deep into it because it, right. it, was, it was ages ago. Yes, yeah, but. The first touch, 99.9% of footballers, professional footballers, that ball's going out of play. It's right. a goal kick. Yeah. You yeah. know, and the fact that to, to control a ball coming over your shoulder on your thigh on is the run. just At that speed. Yeah, and also, and also to have the presence of mind and the ability to take that second touch, which uh, gets him free from the yeah. defender. And yeah. then right foot. And then the right foot with a supposedly weaker foot. Mm. Let's talk about the Rooney goal quick though again, because Absolutely. the thing that was amazing about that for me was actually I can't remember who he tackled but that guy <laughs> open goal and also you don't want to be him in the dressing room they afterwards. sent the keep up at 2-2 two, the two. open goal they, yeah. they would, it, was, it, was, it was level you know they could have taken a point courageous they sent the keeper up yeah two, but, two that, but that goal is Rooney like just in a nutshell isn't yeah it? well Rooney's never been faster in his career than when he's chasing down something yeah. that's like he's, he's never been faster than that yeah but the, the one thing that was amazing as well was that they're all celebrating and going wild and they cut to Rooney and he's absolutely knackered, <laughs> like hands on his knees. He's doing that thing where you're like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to sort my shin pads but, out. And uh, But most former, um, you know, superstars like him, you know, go to the US and go to China 
for a bit of a, a, a final payday. And there doesn't seem to be any chance of that with Rooney. What I love, what I love about Rooney being in the US is that you're seeing, I mean, you know, you see these, these goals in microcosm. You see in microcosm what he did in his peak. You know, Rooney against um, Inter, there's a game he plays the Champions League. I think they beat Inter 2-0. And Rooney basically played most of the game at left back. It was unbelievable in terms of how far he was tracking mm. back. Mm. Um, but the one thing I want to say about Iniesta as well, being in Japan, there is something so Uh-oh, fitting. Oh, we've got Musa on the Iniesta. Well, yeah. No, no, just, I'm just saying like, it's so funny because you know certain players like Xavi We're going to run Kata. long. Yeah. Xavi <laughs> went to Qatar and took the money. But there's something about Iniesta retiring in Japan, like the kind of like this kind of country famed for you know, humility and reserve. Like Iniesta's gone and yeah. taken half a million a week, right? Yeah. But somehow he's managed to make it look as if it's the most humble retirement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah. this, I don't know who does his PR, but this man is a genius. Cultured move for yeah, a cultured like, player. Cultured half a million. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> this is going to act as a nice little segue, but I really like the, how that kit looks on him. I know it's a bit of a weird thing, but that's a really smart, that's an ASICS kit. The burgundy kit. kit. Who, makes, who makes that ASICS? ASICS, right. So it's like a burgundy kit with a slightly darker burgundy stripe but it's like the cut's really nice red wine too many sponsors but yeah it's mm. uh, I, I'm, I'm into it. and also about that goal podolsky with the assist uh, it was, i was like oh, what a goal that. oh my god podolsky made the assist yeah. all right yeah this is me he's guys. had a nice end to his career podolsky hasn't he he's had a nice end he's a, he's a, he's a, I, i've always enjoyed seeing him play for arsenal you know i think he was i think he was maybe not it wasn't quite the system for him so much mm. at Arsenal, but he he popped up with some really important goals and yeah. everywhere well, he's done, maybe apart from that stint at Bayern, which you know well, surrounds some people. We'll have to do um, kind of, we'll have to do one of these podcasts live from his kebab shop in Cologne. <laughs> oh, that'd I am be totally amazing. Up for that. <laughs> Broadcast <laughs> road trip. <laughs> right. The kebcast. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of kits, we had what every club had thirty no three new kits. This is so wow what's that 60 new kits in the Premier League oh my goodness mm. we're good to just talk about Premier League kits well can we, before we do can we just give a shout out to Barca's new home kit which is they've gone uh, darker navy on the shorts than Ooh. the stripes Ooh. big move throwback to I think it's the 20th anniversary of Nike going to Barca so they've right. redone all those first season kits yeah. it's pretty nice nice socks as well. Barca always have really on point kits. hey the best Barca kit I've ever seen is still the gold one the gold uh, away, yeah, yeah, the gold. Oh, hey, so, hey, so the oh one oh two, oh one oh two. Was it not season. a bit later? I was oh oh one. I think it was two thousand two thousand and two. It was it was the whole uh, Van Hal era, right? Oh, I think yeah, and the silver one as well. The but they played in gold nice. when they beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and that Ronaldinho scored. But it was a different, you know, it was because it was it was gold all over. But it was the gold, the gold shirts and the black short, or the or the dark shorts. I think yeah, it was yeah. when they came to Anfield and won three one and. Chavi um, Chavi put through Overmars for the incredible finish. Uh, there's some interesting kits uh, this year. Should we talk think... about just the ones that we saw at the weekend? Okay, okay. And then our favourites. The Spurs one, yeah, not a fan of that. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Michael, I'm sorry. Uh, well, yeah. It's, it's, I can't it's, work it's exactly out whether it's... the same colour scheme as Arsenal's third kit. Which is actually really nice. Which is really nice. Um, but I can't work out whether that Tottenham one is inspired or... No, it's like, like a map, right? So absolutely. it's a map of... Do you know when Gillette tried to... Horrific, Tottenham, right? Do you know when Gillette tried to vamp up their razors from the like... The, the, like it looks like the handle of a, of a Gillette razor. It's kind of like sort of weird swirl wow. of like... Yeah, it looks like... It's like, like, like cooling liquid Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, like, it's like a gel liquid. It's like a liquid gel kit. But it is meant to be a throwback to a kit they wore 
It's in the not early nineties. The Hummels one. It looks like an alien. No, no. It looks like an alien symbiote. It was Umbro. It, it was like, a yeah. um. It was a, a third kit. Uh, sky blue. Oh, okay. And it had some kind of similar like structure, I guess, to mm. the shirt. But to be honest, I'm not even going to try and defend this one. I really like the Man United home kit. I'm a big fan of the Man United playing in black shorts. I don't like this gradation effect that a lot of um, designs yeah. It looks like it's been dipped year. in something. Oil. Well, like, you know, it's like mildew. It's crude mildew. oil. Well, it's a throwback to the, the, the railway... Is it the railway men of Newton Heath? Yeah, but the lack of, the lack of white. <laughs> a United really? kit yeah. needs white yeah. in it as well. It needs that contrast. United have got an interesting away kit. Um, is it, it might the be a third one. kit. Yeah, the pink one. Yeah. But Juventus. Shades of Palermo. You know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, Juventus it's, it's fake news. It's, it's meant to make Pogba feel as if he's actually left the club. Ooh. Oh, look, you're playing for Juventus. Oh, look, look, Paul, you're playing in pink. Oh, okay, guys. I'm a big fan of uh, pink kits. I, th- I, mean, I think I think at least me too. But I, I don't, I don't say it was mandatory. They don't every... suit every skin color, unfortunately. I think that's no. the problem with with um, pink kits. They don't contrast well. I mean, yeah. dark skinned, you're lucky because anything works. But yeah. I think pink. <laughs> I don't pink, think I don't think like flesh color. If you're not, yeah, it could be a flesh color. Yeah, I'm just having a quick. Uh, I really like Fulham's home kit. Actually, very it's, classic. It's simple. Very yeah, smart, it's, but it's nice. like yeah, I'm a big. Sort of I, I like City's away kit. Um, yeah. It wasn't on show this weekend, but it was. No, it was uh, the the the. Dark oh, did they wear one. that? Yeah, they wore that against ah, Arsenal. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was nice. That's really nice. That's, I think that's. I think that's classy. Might be my favorite. Maybe my favorite kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but Nike need to get away from this um, uh, kind of template design they've got for a lot of their way kits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need to give a shout out to Southampton for having a red and white stripe home kit with a fully red back and red shoulders and then doing a third kit which is exactly the same but the white stripes have just been filled in with a slightly darker red oh my goodness I, I don't really get that that was like do you remember when Norwich uh, I think Norwich still do it they basically have a yellow and green home kit a green oh, and yellow yeah. away kit and, and then, then the they reverse. have a bit of a green and yellowy third kit yeah. which is just yeah yeah so that's kits let us mm. know tweet us at Robonomag exactly. hold on you were, men- you were mentioning um, PSG's upcoming Oh, um, yeah. You, so you mentioned that earlier. People have probably seen this, but PSG are doing three Jordan kits this season. So they're doing two in the Champions League and they're doing a third kit in domestic, which is not going to have the swoosh, but it's going to have the jump man on it, which I, I'm totally on board peak, with. Peak marketing. I love the look of, I love the look of that. Yeah, I just I'm feel the PSG. That. No, I, I love it. I love the look of it, but I just feel there's two PSGs where you've got the kind of, the old school fans who've been there for a long time and then the kind of, I, look, I'm nothing nothing against like new and young supporters it's not even that it's almost like people seeing the club as a fashion item primarily does that make sense mm. and I, I wonder if people feel that dichotomy and it's nice to have Mbappe there because he is someone who is from Paris you couldn't get more Paris than that mm. um, but even the man of his return the loan fee that he was signed for was 166 million or whatever it was mm. I mean my goodness it's mm. just I wonder how PSG fans feel about this kind of influx of cash and and not so much the clash, the ca- yeah. not so much the cash, but the kind of the clash, the clash between the old and the new, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, they're a young club. I mean, they've only existed since 1972. So mm. this is all quite a lot to take in. But it's the but. same with Man City, you know. I mean, that the, the good the thing about that away kit that they wore at the weekend, it was apparently inspired by their playoff victory 
which in whenever it was the the old not the Gillingham one the, yeah I think it might be the, one the, the navy stripe and the lime green stripe Paul Dickov yeah 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 Paul so Dickov that's what yeah. that and you know, you know, inspired by that and if you look at that team that played that game and then you look at the team oh, that wow, is playing now cool. in that kit Nike have got a great excuse though for City's away kits and, and third kits because they had some absolutely random kits mm-hmm. like throughout the whole of basically forever mm-hmm. because for a long time they weren't a good team. Um, yeah. They wanted them <laughs> I think to, be, that's fair to, to be quite honest. <laughs> yeah. um, so a lot of uh, experimentation went on there with their kits, and now they've got the excuse to go back and like say, "Well, mm. this is inspired by," you know. They've got this weird third one, which is. Um, I mean, I am a sucker for a, a sash on a kit. <laughs> I do like a sash. Sucker for a sash. Um, Captain Marvel. I hope that doesn't mean anything. Captain Marvel. <laughs> weird. Um, but they've got this kind of burgundy. Uh, one with an orange stripe across, which I'm not so keen on. It's a bad, it's a bad use of a, of a sash. But yeah, no, I like sashes. <laughs> we have probably come to the end of the show. Let's <laughs> <laughs> no, remind me to like shop. I actually once had. Was it? Is it River Plate? Have got a nice one. River Plate and Peru. They've got the best sashes. Oh uh, uh, yeah, strong sash game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My dad, well, years ago, I found my dad's old palace shirt when he was at Palace, and that was a beautiful one—a white one yeah. with, the, with the navy and blue. Well, the, uh, they've got the. They've, they've done they've, that this yeah, season. They, but that was like a, the classic Palace away shirt, yeah. with the same way that Arsenal always had a yellow and blue away yeah. kit. Yeah, yeah. They've whatever. gone back to that. It's a, it's a nice. Uh, it's a nice design. Yeah, tweet us your favourite kits. Yeah, yeah. And also, let's also meditate on the fact that teams with beautiful kits. kits very rarely win the very best prizes <sighs> oh hang on I don't know France had one of the best kits in the World Cup really yeah that was that was beautiful that respect I didn't have a sash this is all commentary after can I just can I just simply say this because I want to have the last word on this there was no comment of the podcast made on the beauty of the French kit. I think this is all retrospective <laughs> we never everyone, spoke about the kits every, well that's my point everyone looks beautiful once they win mm. it wasn't notable before but now oh France won oh, I, I prefer now. the away the away one. I, I prefer the Uruguay. I don't, Uruguay. Know, I don't want to start a fight, but Barcelona, Wembley, they didn't look beautiful in that orange kit. Oh, good point. What, the 92? And they checked so much so that they changed into their stripes when they got the trophy. Oh, that's a nice comment. Mm. There's some trivia. This is why Ryan, this is why producer Ryan has so much value, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> hey, I'm not just a producer anymore. No, I'm he's not. He's talk. not. He's, fully, he's evolved like Pokemon. <laughs> You're not putting me back in the cupboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, on that on that note, on that rousing note, it's been an absolute joy to have you listen to us. Uh, it's the end of a, another fantastic podcast. Please follow us on all social media channels at, at Rabonamag. It's the same on all channels. And also find us on Acast. Absolute joy to have you with us and we'll see you again next week for a rundown of all the leading football action on and off the pitch. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.